Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the November 13th QPSC. I note that this is a special format QPSC to accommodate the Board of uh, Trustees retreat today. I also note that this is the last QPC of the year uh, and the last QPC, QPSC of this current Board of Trustees. And I'll say that it's been my privilege to chair this uh, committee uh, with this, with this uh, Board of Trustees. I'll just say that we'll probably have some closing comments at the, at, at the end of the session. As a reminder to all, in accordance with uh, government health and safety guidelines, this meeting is being conducted in virtual format. There is no public meeting space associated with the meeting. Uh, reminder to all that our convention is to move uh, right after roll call immediately into closed session. Closed session is a, is a session utilized to discuss 1157 protected items and, and, and legal matters. Um, related to medical staffing, accreditation, risk, et cetera. If you're not directly associated with one of these meetings, you'll be held in the waiting room. We actually anticipate a relatively robust closed session today. So I, I ask those who are in the waiting room, it is currently 840. I'm estimating somewhere between 45 and 60 minutes of closed session today, a, a, a larger one than usual. So for the audience, if you wouldn't mind checking in, maybe around 920 or 925. And, and Mike, if we have the ability to message um, the, um, the, the waiting room, that would be great. Uh, uh, if we can, I don't know if we can. I'm still not. I'm still a Zoom idiot. Um, so with that, um, I'll go for roll call, please. Chesty Bouquet. Here. Chesty Chiquin has an excused <laughs> absence today. And Chesty Hernandez. I'm here. We do have a quorum. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. We're moving into closed session. There will be a little bit of a choreography on closed session. We'll start off with uh, med staff credentialing, and then we'll invite further people into the room who are, will be uh, subject matter uh, experts on, on issues discussed in closed. All right, Mike, thank you, sir. Welcome back to November 13th, uh, 2020 QPSC. We just came out of a closed session uh, where we discussed issues of credentialing uh, and 1157 uh, and legal protected items. I'm gonna say it was a robust discussion. It was a very robust discussion. Uh, with that, uh, let's move back into the full agenda. We need to move a little bit quickly. Our back is up against a probably a 1025 timeline. I want to give everyone five minutes before we go full board. Um, let's move to uh, action item B, the consent agenda. Uh, Trustee Hernandez, may I entertain a motion? So moved. Um, I will second, and then I will open it up for discussion. Um, uh, there, the, the minutes uh, B1, I think, looked perfectly well. Item uh, B2, there were a couple of policies and procedures that, that I wanted to comment on. I we usually kind of just move through this, and, I, and, and it is my suspicion that, 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 that the approving bodies thus far kind of uh, went through a thing that we all do called rubber stampitude. I, I, I think that happened. I, I want to talk about two policies which sort of caught my attention uh, at the MEC level and which I, I, I'll, I'll report I did not approve uh, at the MEC level, but a number of, of my colleagues did, and it did pass the MEC. The first is the debt collection and collection agency management policy. Um, I, I personally feel like I need a little bit more information before approving this policy. One, one of our colleagues, a very thoughtful doctor, and I'll say who he is, Dr. David Tien, uh, had, had some questions uh, about this, and I'm gonna sort of channel him 
uh, in the dialogue and it was kind of funny he, he raised these questions and people just put approve on top of his his questions which sometimes happens in process my my, my ex uh, and, and and we may not be able to answer these questions here uh, with regard to this policy what is the status of bad debt and how do these practices actually impact our patients specifically do we know if any of our patients are being sued by debt collecting a debt collection agencies as a result of, of this proposed policy it's unclear to us what it means when a it says that AHS will attempt to not refer to debt collection agency but an extraordinary action does include selling our bad debt to a collection agency that's concerned because at that point AHS no longer controls the debt collection practice and what are the implications to our to our very diverse and disparate population. Third, this was a great question he asked, do we really want a policy that allows, quote, delay or denial of medically necessary care based on the existence of an outstanding balance for prior service? If, if you hadn't spent time reading that document, your eyes would have glossed right over that. And actually, I'm gonna say mine did. So I appreciate Dr. David Tian's attention to that. So, so is, this, is this something that we want in one of our policies? Delay or denial of medically necessary care based on the existence of an outstanding balance for prior service. Uh, I, you know, we, we have to keep the lights on. We have an operational budget. Uh, these are sort of existential questions, which for me uh, re relate into our mission statement, caring, healing, teaching, serving all, regardless of their ability to pay. It sounds like that statement goes potentially against what we're saying. And last, uh, he said, do our current notification systems use concordant language? Uh, Dr. Tian uh, raised an experience that he had. Often patients uh, who don't speak English will bring in bills to him not knowing what they are. And he says this has been a recurrent experience for him. And, and I see Dr. Gupta shaking her head. And, and, and so I'm, I'm asking the existential question about this. I understand that we have to keep the lights on, uh, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm asking a, a, about these things. If there's opportunity to answer these questions for all of us, they're sort of somewhat existential and refine them. The next policy, and then I'll open up for dialogue, is the acceptable use of information policy. Uh, my apologies, I'm going to soapbox here. This policy felt a little 1984 to me. And uh, I, I, I'm going to have trouble it, uh, approving it without answers to some questions which were posed um, uh, in that policy 1AB. Uh, uh, th this relates to no expectation of privacy. That's how, how the document is written. No expectation of privacy. So here, here, here's an existential question. If I'm on system Wi-Fi using AHS BYOD, bring your own device, this is clar clarified as a quote, information resource. And if I check my personal email on my personal device during a break, does this imply that, the, that, that my personal emails can be examined by AHS? Because it, it, it seems like the language of the policy as it's written would potentially allow for that. It also says in item 1C, AHS reserves the right to monitor, intercept, and review without further notice every member's activities using AHS information resources, including but not limited to email, telephone conversations, instant messages. 
Does this imply that all telephone conversations are being recorded? And what is the process for adjudicating whether or not this is a reasonable request? Item 3C, prohibited use of electronic email and messaging. Quote, any material that may defame, libel, abuse, abuse, embarrass, tarnish, present a bad image of, or portray in false light, AHS, the recipient, the sender, or any other person. Who, so who adjudicates that question? I'm sure someone has sent an email saying that Taft is a blowhard in this, uh, in, in this committee. He talks too much, which is probably true. So who, who adjudicates whether that was someone that, 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 if that tarnished or presented a bad image of me? And item 4B, subset 7, prohibited use of the internet. This one comes from another one of the colleagues. Receiving, quote, receiving news feeds or push data updates unless the material is required for AHS business. So this policy could be interpreted so any of us who has received a New York Times update or an Apple News notification while on the AHSBYOD has actually violated this policy. So I, 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 I actually understand the drivers behind, uh, behind security on this, but I, uh, uh, for me, I, I, I felt some questions as to, to some of the language contained herein. And now I'll open it up to Trustee Hernandez for any comments. Um, I also was concerned about the debt collection piece. And if you recall, I did ask that we review not just, uh, well, I asked that we review a different policy in the past, and that is our charity care policy. Um, they are both intertwined uh, because how we define someone who's eligible for charity care will make a huge difference uh, in this policy. Um, and since today is my last day, I'm not sure that I can, you know, suggest something that I will be able to uh, monitor and foresee how uh, its conclusion addresses this. But um, uh, I, I think it's really horrible to our reputation if we sell our debt uh, to a firm that doesn't have some standards or protocols that we review and approve. And um, I know families who receive those calls and they're terrified um, and they don't understand what their options are or what to do. And I think it sets them up for a fear of ever returning to AHS for any kind of care. And that's not what we want to do. So I, I would ask that this and the charity care policy uh, perhaps be reviewed by the board uh, the future board, and uh, perhaps, you know, a small um, research uh, endeavor on what the implications are of both of these working in tandem or not may mean for what percent of our, our um, patient population. It, it's, it's very scary to see some of this language. When it comes to the data security and so on, um, I, just, I just don't know how to navigate that very well myself. Um, I, I'm just concerned, you know, we live in a world where uh, hospitals are being subjected to ransomware. And so if you want to protect yourself against that, you need to take all kinds of measures now. And I defer to the CTO in our uh, system to help us understand what other remedies we could use. But um, 
there is no privacy <laughs> and that's where i've landed and so um if you can't live your uh digital world as if it's going to be on uh, you know cbs news tonight it, it's a pretty scary thing but i i just don't know that there's privacy anymore and, and we need to navigate this with our cto i, I feel kind of um, at a loss to figure out what is the remedy for that. So, uh, I, so what I'm hearing from you, I think you 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 would look for more clarity on these as well. And and I will note that the, both of these these aren't these aren't up amended uh, policies. These are de novo policies. Um, so I I would charge to the new board uh, uh, to to have some follow up questions on that if that's acceptable. Who yeah. Who owns, uh, so the, the uh, doctor, I mean, uh, Mark Amy owns the um, uh, uh, the information technology one. And I think Kim Miranda owns the debt collection one. So um, if, if, if I'm uh, on the new board, I will, uh, I, will, I will put it as my charge to bring this back for that. Do you need a motion for that? I, I do need a motion to okay. uh, approve the consent agenda uh, uh, by, uh, with with note of, of pulling those two policies for review. Uh, so moved. Okay. Uh, seconded. <laughs> uh, and uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Against? Uh, none. Abstentions? None. So we, we've now approved uh, item B. We'll move into item C, the medical staff reports. Um, Dr. Besh, um, uh, anything to report from the medical staffs? Um, from, the, from the core. Yeah, as presented uh, in the in, in QPSC closed session. And then um, the one thing I wanted to point out was the first week of October was Medical Staff Appreciation Day. <laughs> and I just wanted to, to, to shout out to Satira and her team that they've done an amazing job. And we could not have done the Chief of Staff Committee. We couldn't do any, anything um, in the medical staff without Satira and her team's support. So thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Marzouk, anything from uh, medical staff reports? Dr. Marzouk, anything? I'm sorry. Uh, I was on mute. Uh, nothing uh, uh, that wasn't already uh, presented uh, in terms of credentialing. I like to. Uh, echo uh, kudos to uh, Satira and her staff as well. Thank you. Dr. Marzouk, it's my understanding that this is your last uh, 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 event as, as the Chief of Staff for Alameda Hospital. Yes, uh, it is, and I'd uh, like to uh, thank uh, the Board of Trustees uh, for their wonderful uh, diligence and uh, wonderful uh, uh, partnership uh, with uh, the medical staff and the entire Alameda Health System. It's been a pleasure uh, serving as Chief of Staff as well as uh, seeing how the board has uh, worked and for community-mindedness and for the benefit of the entire health system. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your service. Um, Dr. Ingenu, any uh, comments? I don't even know if he's on. Dr. Ingenu? Got it. 
With that, we will close item C. I'm going to apologize. I apologize a lot for my time management to, to both Darshan and Nilda. The reports have been submitted for both patient safety and regulatory affairs. The, the, those, the, those are included in the packet and for review. This is a standard report. Uh, there's always good items, um, but I think in the interest of time, apologies to you too. I know we had a robust discussion about quality in closed session. Uh, I'll just end it with one question, and this is, is to the quality team. Uh, to remind everybody, the Joint Commission window for the validation uh, of, of uh, uh, review of the five condition level findings, the window opens on Monday. It is a 30-day window, so to all who know, they will return here sometime starting Monday within 30 days of Monday. It will be a four-day review with two uh, uh, investigators. On day one, uh, they will inquire about our five condition level findings, and then the subsequent three and a half days or so will be in follow-up to the uh, Tanvir. How many is it? 70-something items? Yeah, uh, the, uh, for that follow-up. So um, my question, quality team, are we ready? That, um, I would say yes. I would say that people are people are aware. They understand their responsibilities, their um, the expectations for execution, and I feel that everyone has had an opportunity to um, get clarity around how they can demonstrate. And I see a strong commitment from leaders um, and from um, leaders at all levels around making sure that people are ready and can engage with surveyors. So okay. I think we are ready. I, I, I think we are too. So I, I, again, I want to applaud the, the prep work and now uh, let's see what happens when we get on the field. So uh, appreciate that. We'll close items D and E. Um, uh, uh, I want to, as, as this board of trustees, as everyone recalls, this board of trustees will no longer exist in its current form, effective December 1. I, I, I want to give uh, uh, Trustee Hernandez uh, a, a, a few minutes uh, to have comment, and I'll keep my comments very short, and then we'll get right up uh, at 1030 uh, for the full board meeting. Trustee Hernandez, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Dr. Bouquet, and uh, I will submit this for the record as well. Uh, it's been my distinct honor and privilege to serve with Dr. Taft Bouquet and his predecessor, Dr. Barry Zorthian, when I joined the board six years ago and began my service to QPSC committee. While I would have liked to have finished my second term next month, I'm nonetheless reflecting on these six years as a remarkable time of learning and professional growth, having had a front row seat watching the nation's healthcare system transform itself to value-based care inspired by the ACA. Healthcare in the U.S. is now 18% of the gross domestic product, one in eight workers in the U.S. works in healthcare. During this six years, Alameda Health System has experienced what other essential hospitals have experienced, an increasing challenge to meet the needs of our patients. It has nothing to do with the quality of our providers or staff. We have the best of the best, many of you present here. Our greatest challenge rests in a fundamental truth. The majority of our patients are dependent on Medicare and Medicaid and these programs simply do not cover the cost of care. For Medicare, hospitals receive payments of only 87 cents on every dollar uh, spent by hospitals in caring for those patients. And for Medicaid, hospitals receive payments of only 89 cents for every dollar. This reality over the past six years of my tenure 
has created a deficit at AHS that started at about 60 million when I began and now reaches almost 300 million. Amid an era of political posturing that exploits the complexity of our healthcare system to confuse consumers, I want to be clear that my votes about budget reductions, program changes, and yes, labor contracts has centered on one simple truth of basic finance. You can't spend what you don't have. There are exceptions to the course that are gained by maybe manipulating loopholes or flat out bull place lies. And if you are the federal government, you can just print more money. AHS is not so lucky. During my six years on the board, it was made abundantly clear that AHS is expected to pay off its debt to the county, period. My hope is that the next Board of Trustees makes clear each and every day to the residents of Alameda County that AHS cannot continue to exist unless it remedies a profoundly broken system for financing in healthcare. And that process must include labor, management, and our and it has to be transparent and realistic about the considered and fully justify those actions. I leave this post proud to have spoken candidly about the insurmountable financial challenges and that during this time, I raised concerns about the diversity of staff, reflecting the diversity of patients we serve and that the culture at AHS needs to reinforce that link between quality of care, patient safety, and inclusion. I'm proud that the Health Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Committee has found significant opportunities to mobilize AHS to address this culture shift in significant ways. I also leave this post with great confidence in Dr. Bouquet's continued leadership as both a trustee and as a provider leader. His commitment to patient safety, quality of care, and excellence in medicine are really inspirational. His service and dedication to AHS is exceptional. I know QPSC is in good hands and will continue to advance the mission of AHS to caring, healing, teaching, and serving all. Thank you, Dr. Burkett. I look forward to staying in touch. You've got my number. Uh, I hope to be an ex officio that remains uh, there to support you and the work that you do and all the members of this committee. Thank you so much, everyone. Wow, Trustee Hernandez, uh, you know I don't respond well to compliments, so so I, I greatly appreciate that and I'm a little embarrassed by it. But, uh, uh, you know, we have something. I, uh, uh, what I'm not good at is time management, but I'm going to end with, with with one statement. Um, I'm going to talk, uh, if anyone's read the, 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 the classic business book, uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins, he tells a story about an admiral named 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 uh, James Stockdale. Uh, James Stockdale was a POW during Vietnam, and uh, he was brutally tortured. Uh, there was so much brutality that he had, and he made it out. and And Jim Collins interviewed him uh, late, so many years later, when Stockdale was at Stanford. He asked Stockdale, "How how did you do this?" and And Stockdale said, "I never doubted not only that I would get out." but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. Collins then followed with another question, who, who didn't make it out of, 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 of the POW camps? And Stockdale was very frank. He said, the optimists. Oh, they were the ones who said, 
we're going to be out by Christmas and Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter and Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again. And then they died of a broken heart. This is the important lesson that Stockdale asserts. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you cannot afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. We have a lot of brutal facts here, and we have a lot of optimism here. I, I want to note, I'll end by saying that uh, three Alameda SNFs were recognized by Newsweek in October as the best nursing homes in 2021. This was the second year they were uh, recognized as such. They were ranked as top seven in the state of California and top 400 in 20 states. I, I like that message in parallel with the brutal facts of our reality that we got a lot of work to do uh, and I don't run time very well. With that, it's been my pleasure to be the chair of this QPSC and uh, I hope to help contribute to this organization, which I love, where I'm a patient, I'm a doctor, and I sit on this uh, board of trustees. I appreciate you all. That'll close uh, Q, the last QPC, QPSC of the year. Thank you very much.